Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. I'm excited to share this one with you. I've got Adam McNanny on the program today to talk about collecting legends. And we get into the rookie card of it all and the parabolic state some of these unproven players have gotten to and why it's more satisfying and enjoyable for collectors like us to sit back in our corner and pick up cards for a percentage of what some of these others are going for. If you like what I'm doing over here, subscribe, follow. You know the drill. Most importantly, tell a damn friend you're enjoying stacking slabs. Let's go. Sports cards. All right. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the show. Joined by Adam McNanny, guy from Instagram that I think you probably all know in my Peyton Manning chat. Um been in conversation over the course of a long time getting back in the hobby. And he's someone that I thought would be good to talk about just the crazy rookiness of it all and the prices and everything that's happening. He's a collector of Peyton, Joe Montana. So try to get some balance here on the show from what you likely are seeing with prices going berserk. So we're going to get into that. Adam, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate you, you know, having me on here today. It's it's definitely a first. I know um, we were both at the national last year and, and somehow missed, you know, seeing each other. So it's nice to get to connect with you, you know, virtually uh, for the first time. Yeah. And that's actually a segue into something. I know you were back in the mix. And so um, I was curious because I, I definitely saw some photos. So you had little nightlife activity with our friend Lameem James. I just want to know what's a night out with uh, Lameem James like? It's, you know, it's crazy. It's fun. That, that was the the Panini, uh, the Panini uh, VIP NFT party of all things. Uh, <laughs> I had no zero interest in going, but a, a buddy that I've you know, gone to last year's and this year's national with, you know, some of his friends were we're going to it. So I bought the ticket and then found out after the fact that like, gee, you know, lucky show and, and Lameem and some others were going. So it was a, it was a good time, man. We had a, a great time that evening. A lot of, a lot of crazy antics going on there. I I'm sure. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on the national, but like, did you, did you have any key takeaways from this year? I know it seems like it forever ago at this point in the way our hobby moves, but um, what were your maybe key takeaways after kind of the dust had settled um, from Atlantic City? Sure, the hobby's still you know doing extremely well. It was extremely uh, busy there. I didn't pick up anything. I didn't sell anything. I really wasn't you know there to to move uh, stuff. But from a, a buying standpoint, you know I'm pretty particular on what I want to buy. It's either you know like you mentioned. Uh, Peyton Manning stuff. I tend to focus more on the early years, unless it's a you know a really cool or rare uh, autograph. Um, Joe Montana, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot that from the, the early year stuff. And then uh, you know, vintage and and the th- thing that I've learned with uh, vintage sports uh, sports cards is that typically it's overpriced. So 
you know, I go to these with an, an open mind and I, you know, typically walk out not finding much, uh, you know, there for me. I mean, there were definitely some cards I liked, but, you know, price points were a, a bit high. But, you know, overall to me, you know, the hobby's uh, still in a good place. A, a lot of transacting, a lot of, you know, hype still around the, the ultra modern, um, which is good. You know, it's been that way ever since, you know, I can think back as a, as a kid. Know, prospects are, are always a, a, a big part of this. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but maybe before we do, it's, it seems like the, um, actually, yeah, let's just get into it. So it seems like the football cards, when I got back into the hobby, I think weren't quite is they're not, they weren't where they are today. There were people, you know, there were communities and people obviously collecting them, but it just seems like after the Brady Mahomes Super Bowl, things went into hyperdrive. And then what we'd saw on the basketball side with the prospecting really picked up. And I think part of that was, you know, you had a lot of young quarterbacks in a lot of new products. You had break culture that was exploding. And so like these young unproven talent became kind of the, the shiny object and it was in the cards that were filling people's showcases at shows. And so maybe like we start here to set the stage. I know you're a Niners fan. Um, you have one of the probably most attractive hobby investments from like a mainstream perspective under center. Finally, Trey Lance, who big arm, super exciting. Um, I think has all the potential in the world, but then also could fall flat and I don't think he will, but he could. So I don't know, just as like a fan of the 49ers and a fan of football, like wh what goes through your head when you see like a guy like Trey Lance, um, you know, hit the field a little bit in preseason, not too much though. Um, but obviously has big expectations ahead and you see what's happening with his market and some of what his cards are going for. It's crazy. I mean, I, I had, think that the, the Niners are going to do extremely well this year. You know, the defense is, is solid. Uh, you know, he's got solid offensive weapons with Debo and Ayuk and uh, Kittle and, you know, multiple running backs there. With Trey, my only concern with him is more or less is, is, is passing. I mean, just from a completion rate standpoint, you know, in this day and age of you know, a pass happy NFL, you know, typically you've got, you know, you've got some quarterbacks that, you know, are throwing 65, 70% completion and just haven't seen it there with them. So, you know, that's my only concern with him uh, from a, a pricing standpoint. It's crazy, but, you know, I'm a, I told you what I collect. I collect Joe Montana and Peyton Manning and, and you know how that is. Their, their markets are, are considerably cheaper. So it's, it's eye opening to see like, what national treasure RPAs or, you know, prism golds or, or flawless, you know, what, what those command. I mean, I, I you know, it, it takes somebody with a, a higher risk tolerance than myself to, you know, to get into to those markets. And, you know, I'm, I'm just not there with it, but I, you know, completely understand why people do, especially if you're, you know, more of a, a team collector, you know, there, there are people I've known over the years that, that do that and will pick up those cards. I don't, I don't know, maybe not the, the NTRPAs, but, you know, for the most part, um, you know, that's what I see. That's my, <laughs> if there was any concern, it's, you know, on field time versus, you know, prices um, that, that you see on the market. We're going to get into like the being risk averse in a second, but 
before we do, I think like you collect, we mentioned this, but Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, you know, two, three best quarterback ever, like interchangeably. I know there's arguments for or against <laughs> some other people would might throw in some other people, but my, my list is, my list is, you know, Brady, Manning, Montana, but it can go in any order. Maybe talk a little bit about your connection with, with Montana and Manning. Like, what is it about those two individuals and like what, what has drawn you to collecting their cards? Sure. So with Montana, it goes back to being, you know, a, a kid. I'm in, I'm 47. So, you know, when I started um, getting into sports and, and collecting, it was, you know, early 80s type thing. And, you know, growing up in a military family, we lived, you know, probably at that time in, in Hawaii. So there wasn't really a, a team per se. So growing up, I liked players. And, and so that's led to me, you know, continuing to like teams, whether it's Montana, you know, I liked Magic Johnson. So I like the Lakers. I like Dale Murphy. So I've been a Braves fan, you know, since the very early 80s when they were terrible. So um, that's how I ended up uh, being a, a fan of Montana. And then, you know, you, you, as you grow up, you, you hear the stories, you know, the stories at Notre Dame, you know, the, the chicken soup game, uh, you know, against Houston and, and all that to win, you know, the national championship. So he's just got that storied history. I mean, he, you know, when the, when you need somebody to, to win a game to me, that's the guy that can do it. I mean, you know, evidenced by four Super Bowl, you know, rings, never threw an interception, uh, had the crazy drive against uh, uh, the Bengals uh, to, you know, with hitting John Taylor at the end. I mean, it's just, you know, he's a, he's a clutch guy. So that led to me, you know, collecting and, and liking him. The, the one thing with, with Montana though, is, you know, he retired before all the cool cards came out right in the late nineties. So um, was never, I wouldn't say wasn't as much of a focus, but, you know, uh, up until, you know, coming back into the hobby, um, you know, I, I did not have much of a Montana collection there, but he's always been, you know, my number one guy. I mean, you know, he's on the, the Mount Rushmore, of, you know, heroes for me from a, a sports standpoint. Um, Peyton Manning story. A, a can, I, can, can I ask you a question yeah. on Montana yeah. first? So I think you brought up a good point and I think about not having the cool cards. And I think that detracts some people from going out and collecting someone who is the highest of high caliber quarterbacks of all time, Joe Montana. And I th think that's kind of silly. And I think, I don't know, I'd love to know from your perspective, while he might not have like, you know, the, the rare nineties stuff or the shiny stuff that we all covet today. Like what is the, and there's Montana's not the only one. There's plenty of quarterbacks in the eighties that fall into the same trap, but what is the, what is the way to combat that? Like, what are the types of things that you look for um, on the Montana front that kind of satisfies the itch that you need when you're collecting a player? Sure. So, you know, I, I don't own an 81 tops. If I do, I actually, I, and I know that the hobby is mixed on that. I, I would want an autographed 81 tops, probably with some type of inscription involved there, you know, just because it, it, it brings a different type of, you know, scarcity or rarity to, to the game. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to own a PSA 10, um, you know, nines to me, the, the pops a bit higher than, than what I'd want. Um, so like a nice seven or an eight would, would, you know, what I'm looking for. 
as far as the, his cards are concerned, anything from that 97, though, you know, that's when he started getting introduced. Well, he had the 96 game jersey with upper deck. Um, but like 97 to the, you know, early to mid 2000s, he's got some pretty cool uh, game use, game use autograph cards. And so that's where my focus lies. And, and I think a lot of that has to do because that's when, you know, I was involved in the hobby uh, as well. So I can think about those brands and, you know, in a lot of cases, I'll do a lot of research on the cards just to, you know, for me, it's it's got to be about the the scarcity, which, you know, I know we talked about one time in the group chat, hey, what's scarce to you? And for me, it's, you know, cards that typically less than 50, probably less than 25 um, that don't come up very often. Or if they do, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, be me being you know, more conservative on on buying stuff. I do a lot of research. <laughs> prior to purchasing, but I, I typically want to buy things that, that I feel like, okay, you know, if it goes to zero, uh, it, it does affect me. But like in, in cards, like I buy a Montana, you know, you're talking like, it, it's scary. It's, it's ridiculous in a lot of cases that you can buy a, a really nice Montana for probably under a thousand dollars. So for me, that doesn't, that wouldn't hurt if it halved, because I know the card's super rare and, and that's, what matters to me. I, I yes. guess like Marie Kondo, it brings me joy. <laughs> to, to, totally. And may, uh, maybe like going down a little bit of a rabbit hole on the scarcity front, but you know, there's these, you know, premier auctions going down and cards are getting cut in half and everyone say, says the sky is falling. But if you look at the data and you see these cards aren't really scarce, especially because these cards are being sold every month. And I think there's something there with cards, it's like, although it could be as coveted as the Tom Brady champ ticket, but if it sells, you know, months before, like the likelihood of it hitting, especially if it's the same card, the likelihood of it getting back to the price that it was, let alone, you know, you know, gain on it is, is very, very low. Um, and I just think, I don't know, it just seems like now more than ever, it, people are putting the same cards that were supposed to be coveted by the, you know, the hobby in auction over and over again. And to me, the more I see something, the less desirable it gets for me. A hundred percent. And then, you know, like some of those cards, like the champ ticket, you know, that's a much smaller space from a, you know, a, the buyer market there and, you know, liquidity, I think, you know, would play into it as well. So I, I agree with you. Those cards, you know, popping up as often as they do, you know, to be able to, to withstand or, or maintain the price point, even like the, uh, the Brady, you know, the, the Super Bowl autograph with the game ball. I mean, that was, you know, I, I think it got near six figures and, you know, but it shows up in every auction, you know, and, and so it's, you know, taking a hit. I mean, it's an awesome card. Um, but you're right. You know, when you, when it shows up over and over, there's only so many people that, you know, can number one, maybe afford it. And then number two are interested in buying it. So, you know, great. If you're a collector, you know, you're, you're getting to buy on the, you know, the, the downswing, but I, you know, could also see it be, being very painful if you bought that with the intent of, you know, flipping it down the road. And now with the way that the market's changed in some aspects, um, you know, it, it's maybe take your losses and, and move it elsewhere. Totally. And you, you know, on the stacking size podcast, we always have time for 
Peyton Manning and stories of why we like him. So I interrupted you, but I'd, I'd love to hear your connection. So Peyton's a, a unique one. Um, after my parents retired from the military, they moved to Eastern Tennessee about an hour or so from, from Knoxville and Peyton and I are roughly, you know, the same age. So um, Notre Dame fan again, you know, because of Montana, but you know, I followed him when he was at UT uh, you know, and I know he is, he's kind of one of those guys, man, you either love him or hate him. Right. Um, you know, type guys and got drafted by the Colts. You know, I was getting back into cards that time. I had taken a break from about 1994 to, you know, to 97. And, and ironically enough, I was in the military at the time and, and a guy that got stationed and, and I started to work with, he was in cards and got me back into it. I got into basketball. That was my, you know, main thing and a little bit of baseball, but, um, you know, kind of taking this a long way, but, you know, because of him, I was back into the hobby. It was the beginning of 1999. Um, I had just gotten out. I was going to school on a, on a scholarship and there was a Chicago show coming up. So I lived in Omaha, Nebraska at the, at the time. Uh, I was stationed there and, you know, went to, was going to school there. And I was like, Hey man, you know, same buddy. And I was like, Hey, you want to go to this show? And we got off of work on a Saturday and drove up to Chicago. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get somebody's autograph here. And I was looking at all the prices and everything. And I was like, Oh, Peyton Manning is 59 bucks. <laughs> right? This is nine, this is uh 19, March of 1999. So, um, was able to meet him. you know, it was one of those, uh, you know, I, I've got it on my IG. There's a picture of me and Peyton there. You know, he wouldn't stand up. So it makes me look like, I'm, you know, eight feet tall and he's a, he's a midget, but, um, I had him sign a couple things, a mini hell, a UT mini helmet, and a Colt 16 by 20 photo. And from there, it was just like, you know what, for guys, my age, it was, it was him and Kobe's it's more, you know, following his career. And from there, you know, it, it led me down a path. I never, during the, before I got back into the hobby in 2019, I never really bought expensive items of his. I, I would just buy or pick up the cheaper stuff, right? And so that's the one thing I'll kick myself for is, you know, where I should have been focused on buying his stuff. I was just buying prospects and, and random cards. And, and I do kick myself because there was, you know, uh, definitely the opportunity there. Um, grails that I, I try to chase now. <laughs> we, we all have those stories, Adam. You're not alone. Maybe talk a little bit about when we were chatting, you're talking about just like, we know the hobby has changed dramatically over the course of the last several years, but maybe talk a little bit about just like that, the old mentality and just like ripping wax, setting up at shows, like just talk about former hobby life into like what it, what it looks like today. For sure. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, I collected as a kid, you know, 84 was probably the year I started buying a decent amount of cards. I was nine years old, but 85, I got like my first sets. Um, we had moved from Kansas up to North Dakota. My parents were stationed there. We lived in Grand Forks. And really that's when I started to get into to buying more cards, you know, opening a lot of baseball, um, tiny bit of football. I remember buying like an 89 score factory set, uh, you know, with the same, you know, great purchase at the time. Was into basketball. Funny enough, I had like you know, in my locker, like 88, 89, Fleer, 87, 88, Fleer singles, like taped up inside my locker and all that. But I was really into cars and I, you know, there was like a bit of an entrepreneur there. So, you know, late 89, early 90, I set up at my first show and it was fun. I just, you know, it was like, I'm buying cards and I'm selling cards and, 
you know, the, the opportunity to, to pick up, you know, unique items. I mean, the, by the, and I still remember it, one of the biggest deals I did um, that I did well in was I traded in an 89 upper deck Dwight Smith. He was in the upper deck extended him and Jerome Walton were the two big cards and 86 Donruss Fred McGriff and $15. And I got a almost complete 86, 87 Fleer basketball set. I did get all the stickers, but the set was missing, obviously the Jordan. And then, you know, after the fact, I found out I was missing like James Worthy and some other people. So starting then, I mean, I, I, I would do shows. I would open, you know, more of all sports. 1990, I remember opening a lot of score hockey because that was Eric Lindros. And I mean, you had Mike Madonna and Mark, you know, Martin Brodeur. You had a lot of, you know, really good players in that set. But I would open kind of anything and everything, you know, at that time, you know, junior and senior year of high school, I worked in a card shop. So that was, you know, the height of, uh, you know, the, the junk wax there, I would, I would say, because that was, you know, 92, 93, that was Shaq. Um, you know, and, and being in a card shop and dealing with all four sports, you know, you had to know prices and everything. So it went from there. Uh, you know, I got, like I said, I got out from 94 to 97, you know, got back into the hobby and, and you know, was doing shows again, you know, ripping a lot of wax. Um, it was a vicious cycle. You know, I'd open anything and everything. I mean, I'd go into the card shop. I was probably, I was his best friend. You know, I'd go in there and you know, maybe on a lunch break or something and, and rip whatever, you know, happened to, to be there. So I would do that from the, you know, the late nineties to about, uh, 2001. And then because I was back in the military, I got stationed, uh, elsewhere in Oklahoma. So I got out of the cards for a little bit, ended up getting stationed back in Omaha, Nebraska again, went back to the same card shop. And that was during, you know, the, the whole LeBron hype. So um, you know, at that point I was opening, you know, I'd open like a case SB authentic basketball, didn't hit LeBron. I never hit any, any good LeBrons or anything like that, but I was opening a lot of football and, and even hockey. I mean, I collected some, you know, ridiculous hockey sets. I mean, you know, rare ones just to, to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those, I was definitely more of the, I guess you could call it a flipping type, but it was just like feeding, feeding an addiction. You know, it was you know, I enjoyed ripping wax and, you know, it was kind of the lotto ticket type mentality, except, you know, at a, at a much lower entry point, I, I guess I would say there. And, you know, that's kind of my, was my thing up, up through like 2007. Um, that was probably the last time I, you know, really ripped any, any wax to a heavy extent um, just because I, you know, kept moving for, for jobs and, you know, didn't have that that connection with the hobby, I would say, I mean, I was on, you know, Beckett message boards and, and, and things like that, but for, you know, in reality, I liked like the in-person, you know, interactions there at card shows or going to the card shop and, and hanging out with people. And I didn't have that. So, you know, I got out of the hobby. Um, I know this is uh, kind of long winded, but even, you know, like my son, he wasn't really into cards either. So, you know, I took a, a, a longer hiatus, um, you know, after that from about 2000, eight to, to 2019. I mean, I always stayed around the hobby, but, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I wasn't really buying much during that time. I collected some oddball players, you know, again, that was, instead of buying Peyton Manning, I was trying to put together a Jeff, Jeff Frank collection for the Braves. Then he got traded. And then I tried one with Quentin Patton for the 49ers who never did anything as a wide receiver there. So I, I had a lot of nice 
2013 or 2014 NT is a Quentin Patton. I just wish I would have, you know, bought somebody I liked. Type <laughs> <Tight> deal. <laughs> Again, we and there's many people out there listening who's who are saying right now, we we've been there, Adam. It's okay. Maybe talk about so your reason for jumping back in on in 2019 and then obviously in 2019 it's when i got back in and i didn't know any better at first i i saw the price of wax and the first move you do is like you go to the hobby shop and you spend a bunch of money on wax and you just want to rip packs and then you learn about this whole breaking thing or at least i did and then you know after like you go through a cycle that you're just like holy shit like I don't have any money and I don't even have any cards that I want. So then you kind of have to figure it out, but maybe like talk a little bit about like the reason why you you reentered and then kind of maybe like how the, the price of wax helped direct your activity. Sure. So, you know, the, it's a a weird way that I got back into cards and, and it has a lot to do with my son. So my son, you know, he's 21 now at the, at the time, you know, it was probably, he was probably 15 or 16. He got into Funkos. He likes, you know, Pokemon and all that stuff, but he was really into Funkos. And I started getting in, into it with him. You know, I'd go to shops with him or help find like variants and, and that type of thing. So um, we ended up going to Comic-Con in 2019. That was like his graduation present. And that kind of got me, you know, the juices flowing, you know, getting to go there. That's like, you know, that's the national convention, but I would say that place is on steroids. It is its own beast. But um, because of that, I started to, you know, to, to think about cards more. Um, I had a buddy of mine that I used to work with here in Atlanta. Um, you know, I had talked to him and shown him, Hey, you know, Mike Trout prices at the time. And so he would, you know, call me or text me and say, you know, Hey Bowman, you know, or what's the baseball stuff to rip. And I was like, oh, you know, it's Bowman or Bowman Draft or Bowman Crumb. And so he'd call me up. He'd tell me what he was pulling, um, you know, all that stuff, get my advice on things, even though I'd been out, you know, kind of been out of the hobby. Uh, but it was like the the culmination of those two things coming together, right? It was hearing my buddy talk cards. It was, you know, getting back into a, a hobby of some sort that I started to to dabble in, in, in cards, you know, um, it looks like I went through my old Excel spreadsheet. So it was like mid 2019. And, and I kind of went back to my roots. I um, at first was buying baseball. I bought a baseball prospect, Mike Soroka. He's a pitcher for the Braves. He hasn't pitched in two years now because of, you know, just bad luck ruptured his Achilles twice. Um, he's, you know, good kid and, and maybe coming back later this year, but I started out, you know, with that, but the, you know, going back to the wax question, the prices were just crazy. I mean, when my buddy was telling me how much, you know, Bowman baseball was, I was like, that used to be like 60 bucks a box, or I could buy a case for, you know, six, five or 600, you know, dollars. And, and for me, you know, I mentioned being conservative. So what happened over that time frame is, you know, the focus as I got older, the focus was more, you know, financial independence and, and that type of thing. So I know Josh, you know, Cardboard Chronicles brings it up. Um, same type of deal. I mean, I went down a rabbit hole five or six years ago and, and that was my focus. So it made me not only conservative, but somewhat frugal. So it was like, you know, spending whatever it was, two or 300 bucks on a box of cards. I was like, no, it's, it's not happening because I know what the potential ROI is on, on this type of, you know, stuff. Um, so, you know, that was getting back into it. I, I just, other than opening some retail, you know, just to, to dabble in it, 
you know, I focused on prospects and I started with him. Big vintage guy. Um, I've always liked vintage. I've always, you know, even as a kid, you know, I respected it a lot. Um, you know, I, I bought a Hank Aaron rookie because that's a card that I wanted, you know, for the longest time. This is in middle of 2019. And then I, you know, got into basketball prospects. You know, my buddy was talking about it. So I started buying players and, and that type of thing. But um, yeah, as far as the the wax side, it's just, you know, I, I was there. I was there 20 years ago and I know what it's like. And and I can only imagine it's, you know, on steroids now, as far as if you're like, you know, trying to bust wax all the time, money goes even, you know, less further in, in this day and age. Totally. And I, I feel like, so you're very methodical about, you mentioned earlier about going to the national and having very specific cards you want and walking, being okay with walking away from the national without anything. And I think I just remember from previous chats, maybe it was one of the Dallas shows or whatever. It was like, same thing. You're like, Hey, they didn't have anything I want. So like maybe talk about like that mentality that you have. Cause I would imagine it aligns with like financial freedom. Like you just don't want to blow your money on cards that aren't significant to you, but like getting yourself and but imagine it surrounds like the vintage, the Mannings, the Montana's, but like, it can be so overwhelming to go into a card show or even, you know, online on Instagram, eBay, any auction house, and just like look at a card and say it's cool and go buy it. And then you get it and, you know, a couple weeks later you regret it, but maybe like talk a little bit about just like you being kind of strict with who and what you buy and when you buy it. Yeah. So that, I mean, honestly, that's been kind of the the growth path in the hobby. I think a lot of us, you know, I mentioned buying Mike Soroka. I bought the Aaron, which was, you know, a card that I want. I bought it back in, you know, 2019, but I went into basketball prospects, did that for about five or six months. You know, it was uh, late, late 2019 around, you know, November, I started buying, you know, Prism and Prisms, you know, just like what everybody else was buying. Um, into like early 2020. And then I just decided, I was like, you know what? I want to buy the stuff that I like it, it, it. Buying the prospects almost reminds me of fantasy sports and I don't play fantasy sports anymore because I came to the conclusion of, I don't like to care about guys. I don't care about, <laughs> I want guys on my team that I'm like, Oh man, I hate the Falcons or, or whatever. And now I got to care about some rando that I, you know, that I drafted. So really from there, it, it went into, from a decision-making standpoint, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy vintage, you know, Summer 2020, I, I picked up a Clemente rookie. I picked up a 52 Tops Maze um, and, and some other pieces there. And then it was, you know, buying, you know, Peyton Manning. Uh, that was the start of it. The, the first big card I bought was an Atomic Refractor, uh, PSA 10, 98 Bowman's Best. Um, and, and as I say that, that got me out of my comfort window as well. Um, I, I was not into buying like, thousand dollar cards at the time because it was just so outside of my my wheelhouse so you know it it took a bit there to to feel right about making those type of purchases um you know and so then so going into you know 2021 the the march dallas show that's the the first card show you know major card show i'd been at um since probably the probably a big show in chicago back in 03 or 04 before i you know I, i moved away from nebraska um, eye opening. I was very specific on what I wanted. I wanted either vintage or, you know, Peyton Manning, and and there just wasn't the, the cards that that I wanted there, and and so it was you know more or less I was willing to to walk away. In fact, I I spent a bunch of money on a PWCC auction that was closing out. Um, right. You know, at the same time, I, I I bought a you know a couple big cards via that. 
Um, but I, the card shows I enjoy, I enjoy the interactions. And that's why, you know, I set up at a few. The first card show I set up at was, uh, you know, since I live here in Atlanta, um, you know, Prison God, Raphael. Um, I set up at the, the 2021, uh, the first one he had here in, I think it was late June or beginning of July. Set up with my, my buddy, Rob, who, you know, I mentioned he's the guy that, you know, I got back in cards, you know, and, and he got me back into cards for that. But it's one of those things. I, I like the interaction. If I sell stuff, hey, great. I do put out stuff that, you know, if I sell it, I'm going to regret it. And I have done that. I, I will be the first to admit, um, not at that show necessarily, but I I did uh, another one this March and it was like, that was tough. I sold a couple cards that when I did, I instantly regretted it. And I bought one back. I bought the 52 Mays back down the road and I paid more significantly more than I sold it for. And I was like, so it was so stupid, but the shows, you know, going back to that, it, that that's why I like them. It, it's, you know, if I buy stuff, it's, that's great. That's a, an added bonus, but I really, I enjoy the, the people, you know, that I've met via Instagram um, and, and, you know, meet here, even at the local shows that I meet here, or, you know, get introduced to through buddies. I mean, that's the, that's what I enjoy most about the hobby. I mean, the cards are, yeah, they're great, you know, but at the end of the day, I like the, the interaction. I mean, that's, you know, as I mentioned before, that's why I got out of the hobby because I wasn't able to have any of that in-person interaction, you know, due to, to where I was, you know, stationed at the time or where I lived at the time. Yeah. So maybe like rounding it back to the, the rookie cards, maybe quarterback specifically. Um, I think the, the, there's been a lot of conversations and debates and I'd love your take on this, but you know, you see a Mac Jones card hit six figures and you see that card, you know, kind of change hands a couple times. And then all of a sudden you see the Mac Jones card hit six figures. And you look at like, you know, Peyton Manning and I, I haven't done any research on Montana, but I would imagine he's probably similar based on his cards. You look at like their highest selling cards of all time. And, you know, they don't, they don't match what this player like a, a Mac Jones has done. Um, from a card market perspective, like when you see stuff like that, are you, is that just for you? Like, Oh, that's the hobby. This is how it works. Or, or like, does it also trigger like, okay, well, people are going and doing that. That's fine. This is the hobby. That's how it all works. But to me, this might present opportunity to go in and buy some cards of some legends that I collect for, you know, a, a penny on the dollar that of some of these unproven guys. Yeah, it, I mean, it is certainly crazy. I know, you know, as you mentioned earlier, how it was basketball and then football picked up steam, probably, you know, due to the the Mahomes Brady, you know, Super Bowl. The, his prices, you know, started to catch up, and in turn, you know, brought the the rest of the hobby up, or I should say, even Brady's prices. You know, it had an effect on Manning. It is definitely a different section. I feel like that's more of like the investor you know, flip group, because I don't know, <laughs> there can't be many people that are holding those long-term or if they are, it's, it's seriously, you know, hoping that in a year or two they blow up and then it, it's moved the, you know, move the inventory. I just, I, I can't, I don't understand. I don't understand six figures for some of these guys. Like you mentioned the Mac Jones. I mean that uh, for Montana, the, the PSA 1081 tops and, and granted there's, you know, 
scarcity, there's a number of scarcity with Mac Jones or Burrow or Herbert or whomever, whereas, you know, the, the Montana is a, a base card that's readily available. I mean, you still buy packs of 81 tops. Um, but it's just, it's hard to imagine. And, and the way I look at it, having been in and around the hobby for so long is I've seen these players, you know, I've seen the, the, the next type guy. I still own a, a 2006 exquisite Matt Leinard. I paid $1,100 for that back in 2007. Right? As a Notre Dame, as a Notre Dame guy, what are you doing? I don't know. I was living in Tucson, Arizona at the time. And I was like, why not, man? Right. And again, it goes back to those, you know, why not buy the guy I like instead? I was, you know, I was in their shoes. So I, I, I can understand, you know, where they're coming from, but you know, that card, I still own it. I have an SP authentic RPA of his too. They're just reminders of, mm. you know, cards can go from like a thousand dollars down to I'm, I'd probably be lucky to get maybe a hundred bucks for that. card. You know, and the guy had, I mean, collegiate wise, he, you know, he did a lot. NFL wise, I mean, unfortunately, he broke his clavicle probably within a month or two after I purchased that card and it just went downhill from there. But Vince Young, Vince Young, it was huge that year, right? Reggie Bush, you know, I think back to the late 90s, Cole Pepper, um, you know, Donovan McNabb, you know, and, and all, in, all in relation, right? But they were way more than, than superstar players at the time. Um, so for me, it's just hard. I mean, I would rather go buy, you know, the boring Hall of Famers, you know, the the Mannings or the Montanas or the Jerry Rice or in the NBA, you know, Magic Johnson, uh, even Jordan, although Jordan is, you know, he's in his Brady world. So that's a, a bit outside of my, my scope. But I'd rather buy those guys because I know there's less than probably a 5% chance that these guys are ever going to come close to them and and thinking about you, right? Matt Ryan, that guy's had an incredible career, right? Minus, minus the Super Bowl. To me, Herbert, Burrow, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, whomever, they would pro that would be like for most of them, the best case scenario, right? Best case scenario in, in the hobby. And look what like, Matt Ryan's card self or Philip Rivers, right? Or, or, or those guys. And, and to me, that's what you have to, you know, if you're getting into those cards and, and you're like truly a collector and keeping them, you have to think about the mindset of, you know, if they have that type of career, their cards aren't going to be worth <laughs> anywhere close. And I mean, they're, they're border, you know, probably hall of famers, borderline hall of fame, you know, type careers. And, and, and that's like what most of these guys would kill for, you know? And, and so value wise, I, I just don't see it. The, the staying power there, you know, Mahomes is probably the guy, uh, Josh Allen, maybe, but I, I just don't see those guys being worth half a million or a million dollars down the road because the guys that came before Tom Brady, I don't think anybody's going to ever do that. Montana. I don't think somebody's going to, you know, Go ahead. Good luck. Win four Super Bowls. You know, Peyton Manning, two and two, you know, it's just, and that guy put up ridiculous numbers, you know, and, and so Dan Marino's another one, right? That guy was incredible. He doesn't get a lot of hobby love. So that's, you know, that's that to, to people that have gotten into the hobby and maybe didn't do a lot before 2019 and don't have the you know, maybe the experience of what it was like, you know, 20, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
you know, I'm one to tell you of where cards can be at and where they can go to, you know, regardless of, you know, how well you play, you know, in, in your respective sport. You said so much good stuff there, but one thing I just want to specifically call out is like, I think uh, uh, people who are in the people who are listening to this show, probably more collector than anything else. While some stuff might seem outlandish and ridiculous to us, like a Mac Jones card selling for six figures, it's almost like a whole nip. It is a whole different nation state over there. of People that are trying to play hot potato with those sorts of cards. And sometimes that that's all we see on Instagram. And those are the things that can be distracting. And then we start to question, well, should we be in this game or not? And I think oftentimes it's sitting back in your corner and collecting players who've, you know, proven themselves over time and mean something to you and might not be like a, for me, like a Rivers or a Ryan might not be the most glamorous players in the hobby. But if you go look at their, their numbers and what they've done over their career and the hall of fame, we'll see probably more likely on rivers and hopefully Matt Ryan can make his uh, statement uh, for Canton in this run with the Colts. But yeah, I just think there's a lot, lot there that you said, and we just kind of got to take a step back as collectors sometime and just let the hobby madness do its thing because ultimately it's probably good for the hobby that people are here doing that type of thing, but we can't let some of that stuff distract us from sitting in our corner and buying the cards we want. You can, I mean, you know, I'm with you. I, I see the prices and, you know, just like, I, I think it's crazy, but again, you know, from when I, when I've been doing shows, big shows, it, it was always that way. It's just, it, it's a different player and it's a, a much, uh, you know, larger or higher entry point. But again, a lot of people made a lot of money, you know, over the couple of years and, and may have the, the bank rolls to, to do it. But um, yeah, I, it, I think you're right that it's like a certain group of people that, you know, pass the, the hot potato around, man. And, and, and you know, the music's going to stop at some point. And I've been the one that's like stuck, you know, like I said, Matt Liner, <laughs> I've got that card or, you know, uh, there, there are plenty of others over the the years. I mean, I probably, you know, I don't keep a lot of stuff from from way back. I I sold a lot of it to a local guy here just because I didn't want it in my closet. But there was a lot of on that box and turned out to be, you know, garbage. <laughs> yeah, and hey, I just recent like we saw the week that was Kellen Mon, and then life yeah. comes at you fast. I just saw that I was looking on my Instagram stories in between meetings and saw that the uh, Vikings trade for Nick Mullins. So from yeah. the Raiders. Hey. So like, I don't know, like they, someone flashes for a second and then all of a sudden he maybe or may not make the team. And hopefully you don't get swept up into that vortex. Yep. The 49ers uh, hurt Kellen Mond. And then now they get a, a former 49er and <laughs> Nick Mullins. So you know, right. more power to I, I mean, it's, they're not going to see cousins. You know, I, I know I was listening to another pod and they were talking about, oh, you know, if the Vikings start out 0-6, maybe they start Mon. But I'm like, I don't know that they would, you know, necessarily. Maybe they would. Maybe further, you know, down the season. But I, I get it. It's, you know, prospecting-wise, basketball, you know, all sports. You're, you're always looking, you know, if you, if you can't afford the entry point into the top-level guys, yeah, you're going to go second or third tier. But then, you know, that's like playing penny stocks, right? 
and, and to me, you know, going back and I know Chad and our, our group, you know, we're kind of the same. We're like, I'm like, yeah, and I'm, I'm an index fund investor and I, you know, the cards I buy are mostly index fund outside of a, a few, you know, really trying to, you know, I, I did play the, I bought a Tatis uh, 2016 Chrome Refractor earlier this year. I was set up in Chicago and I was like, you know, I need to buy some cards just to, you know, maybe offset the the cost of the trip. And I stole in the card. I mean, that's my other problem. I don't, I don't sell online outside of shows, you know, shows I may, you know, move some stuff, but crap I buy is, is what sits here. I'm, I'm maybe a, a lazy collector from, from that perspective. I love it. The disrespect for Kirk Cousins. That guy can win you a game. He just made yeah. the top 100 players list. So look, it's funny. It's funny. I looked at it today. I mean, I looked up his numbers and, and granted, like, I think it was QBR. He was middle of the pack, but geez, I mean, the guy threw like 30 some touchdowns, I think what less than 10 interceptions, 4,000 yards. I mean, they were again, in every game they played. Yeah. And, and again, that's, you can't tell me that that's what you wouldn't want for, you know, a lot of these guys. And, and so, and look where Kirk Cousins is in, in the hobby. You know, maybe maybe if, if Shanahan would have pushed harder and, and brought him to San Francisco, you know, maybe things would be different. But he's stuck in, in Minnesota and, you know, he there is no love for that man. You know, it's it's crazy. It happens. I'll let Maybe we close out with this. I'd love to hear maybe a little bit about a couple of your cards, some of your cards. What are some of your favorite cards uh, in your PC right now? Yeah, sure. So I talked about the one earlier, um, you know, it's the, I can't see it well. Yeah. Cause I have it. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> it's a 98 Bowman's best, uh, the PSA 10, the Peyton Manning atomic refractor. That was like the second significant purchase I had made back in 2020. I did pick up a Michael Jordan auto, you know, that I still have. Um, but the Manning was one of those I had lost out on you know, back then, uh, the Bowman Chrome Golden Anniversary Refractor, which is out of five, that was like a grail card for me. It sold early in the year for, you know, low five, you know, like 14 or 15,000. But for me, that was, you know, so crazy at the time. So I, I went for like what was next best. And, and, you know, when I did the research, that card hadn't sold in two or three years at the time. And so, you know, I, I put in a crazy bid and I won the card and, you know, I, I like the look out of, of it. It's numbered to 100. Um, and, and pop wise, I know there's a lot of BGS 95s, but, you know, it's a pop 13 PSA 10. And again, in, in a PSA 10, the card hasn't shown up since I bought it roughly two years ago. You know, I know Jordan owns one. I think he got his raw and graded it at a national. So kudos to him. He's one. What, what, was that, was that, uh, was that, did you win that? Um, through a PWCC auction I, when it was on I eBay, did. I did. I lost so was, like three of those consecutively. Yeah. You probably nope. beat me so on that, one. That was later on. The PSA ten happened in like August, okay. but yes, you know, going into Peyton Manning, yeah, that that was the late twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one. Yes, where it was just the barrage of Mannings, and there were nine five Atomics. There were, I think, like a couple BGS tens, and. My thought process behind that too was, hey, I'm going to pick up a BGS 9.5 and then I can, you know, move this PSA 10. And I missed every, every single, like you were saying, you know, missed out just like I missed out on the, the freaking 24 karat gold. The, I was the underbidder the two times it showed up in early 2021. 20, and 
you know how it is in the group chat. I get the, oh, yeah. I get the worst crap for it. I keep, you know, I show them, Hey, here's the value of it. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay in cash for it. And everybody just scoffs at me. I got to see Jordan's again in, in AC. Um, he had it out how for display, you know, kind of like I am, you know, I'd put a crazy price and if somebody paid for it, I'd buy it. But that's a card that, that haunts me. I, they're, they're beautiful. I mean, the shine on them, um, you know, but I know we've had, you know, because football cards are cheap. We get the basketball guys to <laughs> come in and, Hey, yeah, Peyton's a, Peyton's a cheap guy. So that's the, you know, from, from the Peyton Manning, another one that I have. And, you know, again, I apologize. I've got this, you know, somehow shaded out on, on my end, but uh, 1955 tops Roberto Clemente. It's a PSA five. So it's a mid grade card. Uh, why that card means a lot to me. So my dad's from Western PA, uh, you know, grew up about an hour North of, of Pittsburgh. So he was a big Clemente fan. Um, you know, I, I wronged him in every way. He's a Steelers and a, and a Pirates fan. And I like picked every other team uh, on the face of the earth for him. But, you know, Clemente was always that guy. Um, I remember reading a biography about him when I was in elementary school. So, you know, I remember as a kid, mid eighties, at card shows seeing like raw copies for a hundred bucks. And, you know, back in the mid eighties, you know, and, and on that, that was just, that wasn't even attainable. So, um, I picked one up in like mid 2020, I picked that card up and, you know, I, I shared it with my dad. I showed it to, um, ironically enough, the person I bought him, bought it from lived in the same neighborhood when I lived in South Dakota. I just thought I was like, dude, I used to live like a block or two away from you. So a lot of weird little, you know, intricacies of, you know, behind that card, but that, you know, that's another one for me. And then Joe Montana stuff. I've got the, the, uh, the 99, uh, incredible ink. Um, it, it's the, the tier two version. So it's out of 16, it's gold bordered. So, you know, Niners color match there, you know, for, for people that like that. Um, it's just one of those rare cards again, going into to the Montana piece. That's a card that, that never showed up. I bought it right before the national, um, you know, Kevin helped me out, uh, the captain, you know, help me get in touch with the the owner of the card. So, you know, we brokered a deal, you know, before, and I, that was the first thing I did when I got there, but the card that, that set the meaning behind that is, and it goes to basketball is I actually owned uh, not the tier two, just the regular, you know, unnumbered copy. I had the Wilt Chamberlain back in like 1999. I bought it for 300 bucks. I was in college. I sold it for $400 and it's a card I've tried to get back over the years and the price just keeps you know, going up. So to have the Montana from that similar thing, you know, it was a goofy retro was goofy. I mean, you had the yeah. lunch pails, you know, I remember opening some of the basketball. I don't know that I opened the football, but the Montana, you know, is a, is another important one. And then, you know, another guy that I've, I've got some, you know, rare cards of um, Oscar Robertson. So I've got uh, a 61 Fleer that I picked up as rookie. Um, it's a PSA six, the autos a 10. So it's one of those, you know, where I, I know that there's the mixed bag on, on, you know, autographing, you know, aftermarket through the mail type things. Um, but this one's not only signed, but he's inscribed at NBA top 50 NBA MVP, 1964, three-time all-star 61, 64 and 69. So it was the only one that I could find in researching where it had all the inscriptions, anything that was like PSA DNA. And it was in a golden auction. And I ended up, you know, being fortunate enough to, to pick that card up. But the reason why I did, you know, I think he's, I don't want to say 
undervalued or maybe more underappreciated for everything he did. I had a chance to meet him at the 99 National in Atlanta. I had him sign a basketball. You know, it was 25 bucks. Um, I still have it. I mean, it's a beauty. He's got a beautiful autograph. I mean, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. So I've, you know, picked up cards, vintage basketball. I've always liked, I wanted to get into, but, um, you know, Gary V started talking vintage basketball at that time. And that kind of ruined my, you know, my entry point into it. So, you know, for me, it was like, if I'm going to buy something, I want to buy something that that's unique. So like for him, I've got that. And I have a 68 tops test, which is like, it's a ghost card. Um, there's, I think, 10 of them. There was one I didn't even know. Someone told me at the National that a PSA 5 had just been graded and, and sold um, via Golden. But, you know, there's roughly 200 cards that have ever been graded by PSA out of a 22-card set. Never meant to – it was never meant to be circulated, but, you know, the top execs got them and, you know, they were handed out. So, you know, kind of going into the whole thing, um, you know, I like unique stuff. To me, that's the, the difference between, you know, what we see now – it's hard for me to get into to the ultra modern unless it's, you know, a really cool Manning or, or Montana, you know, autograph or maybe a unique set, you know, like the, the, the one in ones, you know, I picked up the magic Johnson this year and the Oscar Robertson, just because, you know, I think they're cool cards. Magic's holding the trophy. Oscar Robertson's, a, a, you know, all-star game is rookie year. And, you know, so in, in the pictures themselves, it's, it's a, you know, a cool little story behind them. So, yeah, I apologize, man. I, I can't believe I can't show these cards. All good, good thing. It's an audio podcast yeah. and may, maybe we can get um, some photos of you and when the ep- of the cards and then when the episode goes live, I can share them in the IG stories, but this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, love these types of chats. You can find him Adam underscore McNanny on Instagram. Go follow his page. He's got some cool stuff. Adam, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Brett. It was great talking to you. I appreciate your time. In a couple group chats with Adam, it was really fun chatting with him. Hopefully you learned something. You got inspired. You're out there going after some cards and doing it in a reasonable state of mind. That's what we're trying to do over here. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More stacking slabs coming at you next week.